Gonna stay how we Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. Uh, my name is Aaron and I'm sitting down with my sister, Sorica. We are about to talk about Balor of the Evil Eye. And this is the post show chat. Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for talking and listening to us. Talking to us? No, for listening to us talk to you. Um, this podcast is supported by our Patreon supporters. Thanks a million lads for keeping us uh, lit. And, you know, uh, if you want to watch our faces, Act all funny kind of shapes and sizes. Go on to YouTube and check us out. Um, also, like and subscribe. We just reached monetization the day of recording this podcast. We just did got we? a thousand. We got. A, I must do a little social media thing uh, in a bit yeah. and go, yay, a thousand people. That means I think it's going to like start collecting pennies or something. I don't really know how the algorithm works. I don't really know how the algorithm works. I'm not really sure. I think, there, I think there's something else that has to happen, but I'm not sure what. I don't really know what an algorithm is I mean I do but I get it I think anyway look let's talk we're about not, the myth <laughs> we're not going to talk about algorithms that's not that's not what this is no no um, so we're uh, yeah we're talking about Balor um, he's he gets a bad rep he gets a bad rep and you know it's one of the it's one of the things we like to do is to talk about the whole roundedness of human the condition that is to be human I guess and mm. it's never good nor bad exactly it's always somewhere in the middle um, and this character is one that well kind of yeah it's he has a bit of a bad eye let's just say <laughs> well yeah he has a he has a kind of a he's got an interesting he's an interesting character because he's like yes I always it always struck me actually about Balor that he is Balor of the evil eye he's not evil Balor of the killing, killer eye like uh, and yet every very, image it's made see. very clear that the eye is like an external evil thing that is not Balor mm-hmm. like that's right in the name in in the description sure it is it is a part of him but it is not all of him and yet every single description you see of him well is like our image that is portrayed of him about him is a huge grotesque monster or oftentimes uh, like he only has one eye and, and there's versions that has he has three eyes two eyes and one's evil or just the one cyclops eye the third eye thing is kind of interesting um, that's an interesting one and of course I mean famously um, J.R.O. Tolkien took just the evil eye and yeah. made that the the evil character in, in The Lord of the Rings yeah 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 um, that's one of the that was one of his kind of inspirations was, was Celtic mythology as well as other mythologies in Europe but like that Colum, was kind of Colum Cave the is, evil is, eye is in, in Clare as well like so it's cast um, you know I always think of it but yeah like I I just think it's interesting that somebody took the evil eye mm. and made that a character yeah. and took it away from Balor and took it out of the context of it being part of a person and, and then put it yeah. on its own on top of a tower blazing with fire and that's all that it is. Yeah. Because I think that's what happens then when you put, when you do bring that kind of Christian eye to it of like there is good and there is evil and there is a very clear division between the two. And Which all is, of course, the kind of worldview he's coming from. And the all-seeing power and, you know, that kind of malevolent, you know, whatever it is, it's just, it's some force that's so holy and other and it's either good or bad. Um, and I guess, yeah, it kind of, uh, the, like, interestingly, the story starts with him as a boy going to, you know, peek in the tower of his, uh, with his tr- father's druids. And... I just thought that it, like the innocence of a child 
you know, in some way, it's retained in all of us in some degrees. We we grow in, into adultness. There's a certain level of socialising that we condition ourselves out of uh, to not be so innocent as as children. Uh, but you know, it's there is a level of kind of pureness that's kind of in I think still inside of us all that is the inner child you know it, it is that kind of idea and the idea that Balor you know I don't know some some part of me thinks of him as stunted his growth at that point like he didn't really get you know any he got bigger and he got stronger but he's still a child and he's just on mine that's mine now I can take it I want it and he's kind of almost stuck but that doesn't mean he's fully evil <laughs> you know mm. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wonder Absolutely. yeah can we kind of like maybe find the elements of his humanity and it's tough like because he just he gets old and wizened and, and everything droops over his eye and so posthumous and evil but well like like a lot of Irish mythology I think that you know in the Balor story there's a lot left out and I think you did you know you did what you could to kind of fill in his life story but we don't we don't have a huge amount of it. So like, mm. you know, a little bit like any of the stories that you read, like, you know, with somebody on the course recently who was looking into the Cucullin and Ferdia fight and saying, I want this, I want to find the stories of them in their youth. And it's like there aren't any except for the lament that Cucullin sings where he describes the stories of what happened in their youth, but doesn't actually tell them. And I think there's a little bit like that happening in Balor as well, where like you get this incident in his youth when he's a baby, when he's when he's a little kid, not a baby, you get this incident in his youth when he's a child, and then you kind of don't get anything until um, the Ethlin episode where he locks her in the tower, and then again there's kind of a big long gap until he meets Lou on the battlefield. Of course, there's also the bit where he, you know, which we'll get to in the next story where. <laughs> He, he he what his reaction to his the birth of his grandchild, which is to fuck him off a cliff um, <laughs> which is very you know yeah. very uh, very classic evil king trying to kill your your the person prophesied to take you down and trying unsuccessfully um but like there's not really much in between but it's interesting even um, like, like we it... don't get Balor the hero we don't no. get Balor the raider we don't get Balor the husband we don't get so we don't get to see any of those bits and so if you just take those instances in his life it's very easy to extrapolate out and go oh yeah this is a bad dude and he's just terrible and yet as has been pointed out to me by every person who is into mythology from Donegal he's not a bad guy in Donegal yeah, he's, and the he's, he's a hero. He's loaded. a folk hero. Yeah, yeah, and they're actually applauded. And they're like, again, it's because they're the the people of the of that area, and they're the names that are kind of in the land up there. They're surrounded by it, and the Fuimura are kind of the ancient folk that they know used to live beneath the sea and around Tory Island. And Tory Island still has kind of ring forts that like, and towers that are. Uh, supposedly, where you know the the name the the place got its name, Tory, the the Tower of the King, um, and it's like it's still a place where ha- where it's very prevalent. You know, just like going to, you know, 
Newgrange and, and you see that Angus Hogg was kind of the goddess of love was you know it was his 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 home and the Boyne Valley and and you you get specific areas in Ireland where it can be very strong and prevalent and then it's hard sometimes to figure out exactly where these places or these things might have happened because it's old Irish and translations into the mm. place names change but it's it's interesting that these characters are so very much present in the just the geography of Donegal and the northern landscape and therefore there is again if you grow up in the Sleeve Blue Mountains you hear about Fionn McCool and of course mm-hmm. he's a good guy but you can easily paint him out as a bad guy if you focus on the Dermot and Grania story Yeah you know? and I think that's my thing about Balor is that like if you take just Fionn's you know if you, you, could, you could kind of do that with any of the characters in Irish myth if you cherry picked instances mm-hmm. uh, Your camera has gone off that's back. You know, you could, like, if, if you just took, oh, Coo Cullen killed his son and he killed his best friend in a single combat, you could easily make an evil Coo Cullen if you just took those bits. And so this is one of the great kind of, you know, problem opportunities of Irish mythology is that because so much of it is missing and lost and incomplete, there are such strong choices to be made about how we fill those in. And I, I you know, we were talking last week about the nature of evil um, or the week before last when we were talking about breasts about the nature of evil and the, the oversimplification that often happens and I really like that you didn't go down that route with Balor because I think it's you know it's it's I it's certainly not one that I, I find attractive but what what did you uh, what was your kind of hook in for Balor you were talking about the inner child a little bit that's kind of what I what I got stuck on and like you know hey look we, we've talked about this plenty even this, in this come, coming up to this whole um, series and it's it's interesting to tell the Balor story without telling the second battle of Moitura because you could easily wrap that in as the story because he's so prevalent there as well and it's his downfall and it's the life and death of him uh, so in, in this series just to have an episode that hangs mainly focused around how he got the evil eye and then kind of uh, to the point where he locks his daughter in the tower you kind of you only have a couple of little bits. So, in terms of of figuring it out, I th- what I landed on really was that idea of an inner child, the innocence of the eye, and this is definitely a, a poetic uh, invention of the last uh, ingredient needed for the potion mm. to to turn as evil was the gaze of an e- innocent, you know, and and I don't know that that occurred to me one night, and I was like that. That kind of makes it make sense because if his father, like I always thought, why do the druids not get poison in their eyes? You know, why? What's that about? Um, and yeah, if, surely they're looking at the same potion. So if it infects you in the eye, why didn't they get it? Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's true. So it didn't really. I didn't really buy it that they were like what wearing glasses or goggles or something. I like, yeah, no, I think I think there's something interesting in that because it is the kind of case of like, you know, either it's because there's some there's some that say that, you know, he peeks in a crack and it's it's a fume from it that leaks out. But there is nothing about as is usually the case with magic and Irish mythology, there's no kind of magical system to it. Mm. You know, you have that 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 concept Just Sanderson's magic. Sanderson's scale. I think Brandon Sanderson came up with a scale of like magic system that is like you know very concrete and has very clear rules and there's things that you can do and there's things that you can't do and then like I think as you get back into mythology you certainly do not have that in Irish myth there's no 
you know, we've talked about this before. There's no limits put on magic. There's no like these people can do magic and these people can't do magic mm. because the two of Danon are the magical people, but the sons of Mill beat them with magic. Sure. Uh, or at least land with magic. And like, you know, there's there's no there's there's very little clear distinction between what magic can do and what magic can't do and what magic you know, what the rules are of magic are just completely uh, mysterious and kind of deliberately mysterious because if you have druids and this is their craft, part of that has always been to, you know, it's an esoteric tradition. It's not it's not something that is supposed to be disseminated. So there's a it's it's a kind of an interesting one to kind of go, all right, well, if we if we were to put a little bit of a uh, little bit of logic into this, just a little bit, just to see. Then this bit doesn't make sense. So what does make sense? So yeah. I like that. I like that kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I kind of like I, I thinking about the, the kings and the other, uh, you know, his father who ordered the druids to create this evil potion. So his father has become twisted. And I think there's like, there's definitely a, a, a metaphor here. There's definitely like something, you know, you know, you grow into adulthood and you, you can really lean into the darker side of things. And as a child, if you perceive that, it's really traumatizing. <laughs> you know, if you mm. if you see something at a young age that you just shouldn't be open to or exposed to it can just it can stay with you and that's kind of I think yeah. what happens here he's exposed to evil an evil desire and, and feeling and want to whatever plunge Ireland into darkness or destroy all of his um, you know have a nuclear bomb essentially and he, he gets it but not in the way he wanted it because <laughs> he, he doesn't have control mm. over it and so I think there's a very which is unplayed out kind of narrative there as well of like that whole aspect of how Balor then rose to rose to power and you know seems to have taken it off his father or again there's just there's never any consistent quite we don't, we don't know yeah that's a gap yeah um, but I think there's some there's a couple of themes in this and I think that's one of them there's a couple of themes in this that are very kind of Classic mythology, if you know what Classic I mean. Classic mythology. One of them is that is that thing of like the the bargain without knowing thing. The thing of like, oh, I wish I had this, and then you get it, and you're like, but not like that. You know, the kind of subversion of the wish. So, like the king who wants a, a potion of terrible magical destruction, and he gets it, but at the cost of mutilating his son, mm. who now has this, you know, terrible, terrible power that like is kind of devastating and like there's you know how often does he use it that's another question that I have about Balor is like does he ever actually take off the seven veils because some of the texts say if he did that everything in the world would be set on fire so there's an implication in some that he doesn't ever actually fully open the eye until the second battle of Moitura which I also think is really interesting yeah it is very interesting because and again, some say that like it's it, they were um, leather put over it, and some say it was grown. Like he literally, his body tried to fight it. You know, tried, tried to, to insist this and evil eye and took cover it over. Seven, like it was just seven cloaks grew over it, and so like there's an innocent child trapped in there, no matter what. And I think that's kind of mm. what 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 this is always getting out of. Like, no matter how brave and bravado and and fierce and furious any character, male or female, are. They're 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 just a hurting in child in the inside essentially, and we all and like you know not to hark on about it, but it, that's that's I think the what keeps on coming up for me, and I think 
you know, as he grow, gets older, you 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 see. Well, I like to think there's a greater like leaning into. Oh, I can just take now, and like as soon as he, you know, is given the prophecy that he can't be killed. Oh, all of a sudden, there's just this massive divide, and and he, a spark of his humanity just arises and goes. No, hang on. You can't just obliterate your your only daughter. Like you, you don't be doing that. Don't be, um, you know. I remember Oshin once doing that in the live show and saying, "Give us a look of her there." Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's I think that's kind of telling that like he doesn't do that, which actually leads us on to the second classic mythology point. Classic which mythology. Is the, the, the killing of the old god by the young god. And this kind of, you know, this is bleeding over a little bit into the Second Battle of Moitura, but specifically in this case, it's the prophecy of the downfall and that that the attempt to undo that becomes the fulfilment of the prophecy. And like that's in so many stories. That is in so many global stories. Like you see that in, obviously in, in Greek mythology, it's huge because you have the the... The Titans and and the the various different successive oh, groups yeah, of yeah. gods before the uh, Olympians and, and Zeus, Zeus of course kills, kills his own father who swallows all of his brothers and sisters and swallows them whole and Zeus kills and like the kind of the devouring father and I think I think this is something that like is there's definitely an echo of that in Balor mm-hmm. there's definitely an echo of that theme of like the old. And I, I just think it's really interesting. I think it's kind of, you know, especially we'll get onto it in the second battle of Moitura when we tell it. But like there is a real thing in there, I think, about renewal and about generations and about, you know, giving way to the next generation. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's it's an interesting one because we see it, you know, we see it played out on a cultural stage so much with people kind of like going, oh, millennials are not doing the thing that we need to do. And like, there's such anxiety about it when you see a younger generation who are doing things and you're like, that's not, that's not, that's not how you do that. And yet, that is kind of the eternal problem slash invitation of being a human being is that you don't get to stay around forever and you, the way that you think the world should be does not persist mm-hmm. and like I think it's a really interesting thing that plays out you know it plays out metaphorically in in the story but I think you also see it playing out in kind of cultural conversations um, about generations and about generation gaps and it just kind of yeah well, I, I, just kind of struck me there as being like, I think this is maybe a universal human anxiety that like the next generation might not do it right, so we need to really control them for as long as we can. Yeah, and how yeah. how fundamentally that doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because yeah, it's interesting. Even locking his daughter up in the tower is kind of an act of humanity, but it's absolutely barbaric at the same time. You know, it's it's so I cruel. Mean, um, or not barbaric, but it's very cruel it's, and yeah, um, like it's 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 a it's kind of difficult to say is that more cruel than killing her because is what well, a lifetime of imprisonment is like not great. Yeah, uh, but he kind of locks her up. I remember I, I talked about this before as well. Um, you know, being at the Bard Summer School one year, and they had a great uh, trial of Balor, uh, adjudicated by Lou. Where it was like, what if he survived? And there was like, they they did it. They did a trial, 
And one of the loos came up with a fucking brilliant thing where he said, um, he said to the, the Balor, uh, he sentenced Balor to imprisonment in the in the glass tower, attended by the same women who'd attended Ethel. With his logic being, if it wasn't a punishment for her, then you won't mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it was it was just great because these were all the women, like in the version of the story that we talked about there. These were the all of the women because there's some versions of the story uh, where all of the women are impregnated by the same man, and Balor <laughs> kills all of the children. Yeah, I, I I avoided that one. Um, it's just well, like I'll I'll be talking, you know, I'll be taking it on in the next uh, episode when I talk about Lou because you know there's as as with all of these things there are different versions and I think it's interesting to touch on the different versions even when we don't choose to do them, sure, or don't choose to tell them. There's another thing that I always think is really interesting with Balor and Lou, and it is a story. It is not even a story. It is a line in a book that I have read that says that Balor gave Lou his name of, of, of Law Father when Lou as a small child was picking apples. That Lou as a small child was picking apples and Balor saw him and said that child has a long arm. And that that's where the Lou name comes from. Because, again, multiple versions, the Ethlin story is later than the Battle of Moitura story. There are versions where Ethlin and Kian are just like a normal married couple. The yeah. prophecy stuff gets like folded in later. So it's really interesting. Like I just think this kind of, again, it's like this multiplicity of Balors and some of them are so mu- are like incredibly evil, like killing loads of babies. And some of them are like, ah, there is the child that will someday grow up and kill me. Be good at apples. Um, you know, <laughs> like that. there's this, there's, and they're good all kind of, Equally present, and it's very much up to the storyteller which one you decide to go with and which versions you decide to go with. And like we usually go with the with the story of Ethlin in the Tower and Kian because it's it's a story. Yeah. Whereas the story of Kian and Ethlin who just happen, you know, they just get married and they're lose parents. It isn't a story. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of an arranged marriage between two noble people who have a child. Then and yeah, the end. And there's, you know, there's there there's some the one ending of that, like, and we can talk about it again. But like, there's there's other endings that like have them flying out together and all the rest of it. But like, you know, whether or not Balor arrives down and murders a lot of babies, twelve of them probably, uh, or casts all like just just Lou down, or Lou and his two other mm-hmm. siblings, two siblings, um, yeah, because they were supposed to be triplets. And again, there's like. You know, uh, certainly, um, you know, there's a, there's a clear leaning into now that, OK, there seems to have been a presence of good in Balor or certain humanity when Ethlin is born. That That's certainly my reading of it. And then by the time Ethlin has grown up, he's spent kind of much like his father. He's 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 spent long enough and and a hard enough life leading the Fuimura who don't seem to be an easy people to rule. They don't seem to have an easy life. They they pillage and they plunder and they, they run off and they war and they fight and they and you know, that's like they're a raiding uh, community and it seems tough going. And so he just seems yeah. to lean into the darkness or the, the more evil side of him until to the point of like, well, I had no 
I didn't, I could, I couldn't possibly kill my own child, but I have no problem killing this child's child or my child's child. You know, there's a kind of a remove, yeah, where it's like, well, this is, you know, my child is not the one who's going to kill me, but this child is, and therefore, it's and 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 he's he's far enough away from me, and there's a kind of a like tapping into a righteous anger of, well, this wouldn't be happening if you hadn't stepped out of the bounds that I laid out for you, you know, if you brought it on yourself, kind of thing. So like, yeah, there's a there's a kind of a an interesting thing in there as well. I like the uh, the comparison to Kronos finally came to my mind. Um, you know, cause Thank you. I had also forgotten uh, that name entirely. I, just like, knew- I, I have, I have the, the, the picture in my head <laughs> of the thing devouring the young... Meh, can't. Yeah, nope. Kronos. Um, and I, I like that comparison because, because again, he started, Kronos kind of started off as a golden boy to help his mother against the, you know, the evil father that she had. So it's this like, yeah. it's this transgenerational thing that's passed down and it, and it seems that, and then, and then he grows up and fully embodies all of the evil that, you know, the, her, his wife hates him. Um, and mm-hmm. like, he, it's just awful. And he has no idea that eating her children is upsetting her. How, what? Um, but I think with Balor, in, like in comparison. Also, sorry, just to keep it in Greek mythology for a second. Also, why why uh, Zeus in Greek mythology is real nervous about all of his offspring. Yeah. Like real nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a this is a history that is prophesized to repeat that someday somebody is going to come and kill Zeus. And that's that's a that's the kind of like background radiation reality of his whole like incredible sort of sexual incontinence where he's just like going around riding everything that moves species and gender regardless. Yeah, like there is man. also this like incredible like anxiety thing going on in the background there of like you're going to produce a child that kills you. That's the that's the end result of all of this, um, which I've always found a really fascinating thing about the Zeus character uh, as a as a kind of a character. Sure. Um, but anyway, this is this is not the Greek mythology podcast. It's just, you know, no, I'm being like Zeus. Weird. Again, it's like you know, there's 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 a counterpoint for Zeus and Lou as well in that, you know, and Greece. like because the golden child, the the you know the um, the man of thunder and lightning, it, you know, it's it's sky power. Well, it might not be the sun, but it's they're, in the sky. Sky gods, <laughs> yeah, they're both sky gods. And I also think the other the other kind of, and we'll talk about this more next time. You know, the other parallel with with Lou, the really clear parallel with Lou is of course brass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe let's leave it there and we can uh, leave we it there can... I will just round off my one last thought on uh, Balor's comparison to Kronos which is he has the ability to you know devour or destroy his own child he kind of assimilates a, some form of a, a you know prison or a, a way to keep the child alive without killing her which is you know not a barely a life, not really a, a full life. You know, you could say he swallowed her life <laughs> if you really mm. wanted to draw the comparison. But in the growing up, he seems to get older and more destructive because every, because it's just even though we only have fragments of it, there's definitely just little hints that he is 
willing to at least unveil all seven cloaks for the final battle of, of mm. Maitura and is yeah, leading us a, to that point. there's a definite escalation. And he seems to, even like the, the size of him, he's either huge and ginormous and the eyes takes nine people to pu- pull back mm. the hooks. And again, that's like, he's such a huge being or is he? Is it just because he was had that immense presence and power uh, which is again that kind of like was he as tall as as the mountain or was he just you know as big as a presence which I think is just um, kind of an interesting one um, anyway look we will leave it there my camera has just yes. freaked out on, camera on YouTube camera has decided to, to turn um, off again uh, <laughs> yes well we'll leave it there and we will uh, talk again no we will be back next week with the story of Balor's son Lou and we will see you then and if you would like to follow us on social media we are at Candlelit Tales and if you would like to support us we are patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales and if you would like to talk to us you can send us a message (laughs) nicely rounded up alright thanks very much for listening guys and see you next time bye